And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. Every Friday, I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Brittany Brombacher. Yeah, hi, ho, ho. And Christine Steiner. Yeah, hello. Welcome to the show, everybody. This is a special day. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, yeah. Or whatever oh, holiday oh, oh. you celebrate. Well, technically, technically today, today is, is Christmas, Christmas Day. Day. Yes, which yeah, is why I said Merry true. Christmas. But of course, but also Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Holidays, no matter which holiday you celebrate, as Steimer said. Yes. Maybe you're like me and you just celebrate the holiday of enjoying the togetherness of friends and family while obscenely decorating your house <laughs> and things that have nothing to do with any of those religious holidays. Pretty much. Well, technically the trees are. The, Although, tr- like, the trees, yes, yes. No, but like I don't know. The Isn't whole the tree is- pagan? Isn't that what somebody said? Yeah, yeah. it is technically. Yeah. But like a lot of the Christian holidays secretly have pagan elements. <laughs> well, like, don't you know. tell anyone. It's a secret. It's a secret. <laughs> Easter. It's bunnies. A secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, we hope that you guys are enjoying a safe and socially distanced holiday with your friends and family. Whether you're listening to this actually on Christmas Day when the podcast releases, or at some point in the future, we know we get a lot of people that find the podcast and then binge a bunch of episodes all together. So, whenever you are listening, I hope. You're having a lovely and wonderful day. Uh, we have a really fun show. It is our annual What's Good Games Awards. We love doing this every year, and it's a little non-traditional um, compared to all of the other awards that you get from some other outlets. So we have some fun categories for you, and we hope that you guys will play along and pick your favorites. And of course, let us know what you think about our selections. We do have some wonderful sponsors help making the show possible today. HelloFresh, Logitech, and GameStop. And thank you to December's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, California Cated, Justin Foshi, Punctified, Ferris Atia, Mohammed Mohammed, Marcus Brown, and Alex Rogopoulos for being supporters of what we do. Most of you have been with us since the beginning, and we cannot thank you enough for your continuing support, as we do with everybody in our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games. Speaking of which, you can be part of the show by going to that website and submitting your questions, and you can also get the show ad-free in one of our new membership tiers. Technically, that membership tier isn't new, but we have some new tiers because we've reworked the Patreon is what I was trying to say there. I almost got it right. But we can't do our five-star podcast reviewers new this week because we are taping the show in advance. But we will do a fun little catch-up segment with you, Britt, when the show comes back from the holidays. 2021. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think we all have a little bit of senioritis. I'm just going to call it out right now. Yeah. But that's that, okay. And we're all very sleepy. Yeah, that's okay. So this will be a fun and interesting experiment. Yes, it will. So before we jump into the awards, ladies, I think one of the things that we do every year is we talk about the S word. Spoilers. Oh. Britt, how, do, how are we going to handle spoilers this year? So I think we have to do some full-on frontal spoilerage for a few games. And the, these are games that we've all played. So specifically, Tilu 2 and Ghost of Tsushima. We are going to be spoiling the absolute crap out of them. And uh, that's just because we can't. Because some of our awards are about most devastating moment, most agonizing choice, and we just can't talk about that without talking about the nitty-gritty. So if you haven't played those games and you're scared of the spoilers go away and come back after you've played them. <laughs> or you can very selectively use the timestamps to avoid those categories in particular. I think what yeah. you know I can help you out with Britain doing is that we can put an S next to the timestamps that have spoilers in them. And so if you are looking at the timestamps and you don't see an S, then you know that it is a spoiler-free category to listen to if you are concerned but still want to hear some of the rest of the awards. But we just want to get that out of the way because every year when we do this, we inevitably get to an award where we're like, oh, I have something I want to say. It? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, but I can't. Ugh. And it makes it difficult. So I think we're just going to put that spoiler tag out at the very top of the show today just to let everybody know. Yeah. And one more little asterisk note about this week's episode, the What's Good Game Awards. We are not including Cyberpunk 2077 in any of these awards. Obviously, the game just came out a couple of weeks ago when this podcast is airing. But by the time we are taping this, it's only been out for a few days. And there was a statement made by CD Projekt Red that the game is not in the quality on console that they would like and that they are going to be making PC fixes as well. So we just do not think the game is in a state where it should be included in any of these categories and would be happy to reevaluate it in 2021. Woo! All right. With that out of the way, Brittany, what do we got up first? The first category we have, ladies, is Game of the Most Sleepless Nights. So what's a game that kept you up that made you lose track of time in 2020? Gosh, I feel like there were so many. I remember vividly being up until 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. Oh, yeah. But that was also like a very timed experience like once i finished the game it was done so for yeah. me the one that kept me up the most sleepless nights across the whole year animal crossing new horizons uh -huh. without a doubt i literally was pushing snowballs around making perfect <laughs> snowmen on my island last night at 2 a.m oh my god <laughs> it happened everybody <laughs> Wait, were you in bed with that yes oh my god yes i Why bring my switch, switch to bed to every bedroom? night now it's bad that's not good i know because it used to be i would read my book and i'm so behind in rhythm of war because i play switch because i keep uh, catching snowflakes because i want all of those holiday recipes oh my god i'm sorry she's in there rolling snowballs and catching snowflakes fucking love it's, it it's that's bad you guys amazing. it's bad oh my gosh <laughs> oh that's too funny oh my god Steimer, what, what about, about you, you Steimer? Yeah. I think I think mine is um is Tilu 2 back when I was reviewing that because it just like it just hooked me in a way that I just like wanted to finish it immediately. So obviously I won't talk about spoilers here on this one, but that was one that I stayed up a lot just because I was really interested in the story and wanted to see where it was going. And then also 
I mean, I did technically also want to get it done before, you know, a certain date. So that didn't help. But I actually didn't feel as much of like, quote unquote, review crunch on that game as I have before. That's good. Thank you, Sony. You delivered it very early. <laughs> it's always appreciated, isn't it? When you get a it very really big is. game a little earlier than, you know, the day of. <clears throat> Anywho, um, I would say mine would be Yakuza Like a Dragon because there is just so much you can do in that game. Sure, there's like the, there's the main story, but I feel like half of the game you're spending doing random ass shit, whether you're playing arcade games or managing your business or going to the cabaret clubs, because why not? There's just always something to do. And I think that game came at a time where I was like, I want to explore a nice fictional city somewhere in Japan. And I could do that. And it had all the charms and the quirks. And it was a good escape for yours truly. So I would say probably that one. That's probably mine. Uh, we got a few submissions, actually, from patrons. So I asked our patrons at patreon.com slash what's good games. All of these questions and some of you responded. So thank you so much. Nicole Barnett said hers was definitely Animal Crossing. Kate Sabo said Valhalla. 130 hours in and not done yet. Wow. 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 I love it. No, I feel that. I'm 60 hours in at the time of recording this episode and I anticipate by the time I get to Christmas Day that I'll be much closer to over 100 hours in and I I feel the same like that could could potentially be a contender even though I'm over 650 hours in Animal Crossing so clearly that wins (laughs) Um, (laughs) oh my gosh but Valhalla is is an amazing game and I have I'm gonna have a lot more to say about that in, in other award categories so Thumbs up, Nicole. I thought this response from Jared was kind of funny. Jared Kalber, game of the most sleepless nights has to be Tilu 2. The game was not a fun playthrough at all. Instead, I couldn't sleep, stressing about not finishing it and having it ruined for me. An absolute oh, powerhouse no. of a game, technically, just wrapped in an anxiety bomb of circumstances. Oh my gosh, so Fair. true. And also, I meant Kate. Kate played Valhalla. Uh, Nicole was playing Animal Crossing. Yeah. Um, but Jared, <laughs> we feel you. <laughs> we feel yes. you. Next up was best villain. So who is someone in 2020 that you thought was a good villain someone a little different someone who rocked your socks and blew up your skirt Hmm. blew up your skirt this is tough because and this will probably be a spoiler but i thought abby was a really good villain and i know there's people who look at her as not the villain and that's a really interesting like kind of different viewpoint on how you viewed the narrative of the last of us part two but with the way they begin that game, I don't know how she can't be looked at as a villain. Though I think they're both villains. I think Abby is a villain. I think um, Ellie is a villain. Mm-hmm. Like eventually, they both like. Why do you think becomes, Ellie is a villain? She fucking run. She also goes and terrorizes an entire group of people. Yes, you could be like, well, Lou started it, but technically Joel started it. So it's like one of those things where if you just look at it through a different lens. They are yeah, both the I'm, villain and the other person's story is basically what it so is. So Abby was my number one choice, but I also can make a case for Ellie as well, right? Because look how many times like they both got their revenge on each other and Abby was like, Ellie, just like get the fuck out. Like go. She's but, just like walk let's away. Let's cut and her Ellie losses and Ellie mm-hmm. can't. She still goes after her. And so it and actually Brandon K. Gann uh, made a case for Ellie too. He says, dependent on your point of view, Ellie from The Last of Us Part 2 for the decision she makes. Personally, while I disagree with her decisions in the back half of her time in Seattle, plus all of her choices after that, I recognize that isn't the point of the game, but speaking only for me, she is clearly in the wrong, blinded by what drives her to her decision-making. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I think Abby. I thought that that game was a really good discussion uh, about villains in general, right? Like, because what is a villain to you and how does it 
play out and like because like because your perspective you're like no it's just abby (laughs) no that's like it's just interesting to see how people number one i guess define their villains for them personally and then to how it all plays out um story-wise because like now i'm trying to think i mean all the other villains we saw this year were i would say like just more straightforward (laughs) like here's the big bad yeah also it but it was interesting for me this year because i got to i got to finally see sephiroth (laughs) Yes. The daddy villain. Daddy. That everybody loves to talk about on the internet. And I got to tell you, I am very confused by him. Yeah. So that's he was such a small part of the game, though. And that's, that's it, what right? I think, I think that's part of yeah. why it's interesting. It is interesting because if you've played Final Fantasy VII and you've, you know, the whole game from start to finish on PlayStation, you know what's driving him. And so I think that's kind of an unfair advantage because I also wrote him down as a potential villain. But I put myself in the shoes of you two and I was like, well, they don't really get Sephiroth. They don't really understand his motivations or what he's doing. To them, he probably just seems like a mysterious bad guy who's evil for the sake of being evil. But there's so many more layers to him than that. But you don't know that yet. So it's kind of hard to nominate him. Whereas with Abby... I think the way she's portrayed in the beginning is like this just evil bitch, right? Who's often like killing like this man that Ellie loves and we don't really understand why. But then you learn about her motivations and I think that's what makes a great villain is it's not just mm-hmm. someone evil for the sake of being evil, i.e. like every Nintendo antagonist ever. It's someone who has a, a goal in mind or they in their twisted mind, they're justifying what they're doing. And I think that's why I would choose Abby for mine. Yeah. Nothing that that's that's solid for sure. Solid. All right, going on next, we got best fictional world. What was the best fictional world you ladies explored in 2020? There was so many good ones this year, but the one that always felt magical to me every time I turned the game on was Ori and the Will of the Wisps mm, from Moon yeah. Studios and Xbox. I adored that game. It's still one of my favorite games of 2020. And if you still haven't played it and you have Xbox Game Pass, I believe it's available there. Should be, I think. Um, And I know it's out on Switch right now. Um, And so I think that it's a game that is so approachable to people of all game levels, uh, like players of skill level, I think is what I was trying to say there. And I just love the story and the narrative of that game. And the art is just so gorgeous. Like, it really I love is it. a world that you'd want to go to and get lost in just because, again, the, like the color palette is very beautiful. The art is really beautiful. Obviously, like, you don't want to, maybe not like the spookier parts. <laughs> there are a but couple like, spooky parts, like the, like the little spider zone. Yeah, you're like, maybe, maybe not those places. Don't want to go there. But like, when it's the nice, pretty places with the, the really beautiful ponds and stuff. You're like, oh, the underwater like sections. Nice, yeah. nice place to go for a dip. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Take a little dip. I was looking at some of the games I've played this year, and most of them that would be contenders are actually fictional fictional worlds based off of real locations. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I was like, Ghost of Tsushima doesn't really count. Ghost of Tsushima, right? That doesn't really count. Japan. <laughs> Tilu yeah. 2, like in Seattle for the most part. And then you have Yakuza yeah. Like a Dragon, which is based off of IRL Yokohama, right? So it's kind of like, well. Yeah. So I would think mine would probably, if you want to be real fictional, real fictional, would have to be Midgar from Final Fantasy VII. I think the way they expanded upon um, Midgar from like the original was really impressive and they made it feel actually like connected in like an actual city. I wish I could say Resident Evil 3, but I think Capcom kind of borked, watched. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. there's so much potential there and it just wasn't tapped into. So, want, want. I also really, really liked the um, Hades world building. Oh, yeah. So, you get to kind of like explore the different layers of hell they all have their very unique visual design and style. Um, and then you also are like learning a lot about, I mean, it's, so, it's sort of a similar um, 
Greek mythology tale, but they have their own little super giant twist on it, which is really nice. Sam Suvak from Patreon said Spirit Fair, which I thought was a really cute pick. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Best fictional world. The art style in that game is great, too. Beautiful. And it's a happy world where you get to, you know, talk to your loved ones and cuddle your cat all the time before you say goodbye. It's nice. The oh. saying goodbye part, you know, less than ideal. But less than ideal. Well, but, there's you know. some, I think, less than ideal parts of all of these <laughs> fictional worlds, true. right? It is very true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, I, didn't, I wouldn't want to be in Hades, to be clear. To be clear. <laughs> I don't want to be trapped in hell. But I just thought they did a good job building the world. Next up, we got Best Waifu. Um, has to be Jessie from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, oh, Jessie's sure. fun. Yeah. Jessie's the best. I love her. I love her so much. I also think her outfit is super fucking cute. Um, <laughs> I just like, I really liked her spunk. I also kind of like the way she's always flirty, but you're never quite sure. If, like, is she serious? Is she not serious? I don't really know. Um, so I always thought that was a, a fun aspect to her personality. Yeah, Jessie's that's a good great. pick. I, I also would pick Jessie um, as somebody who had no familiarity with any of these characters going into my playthrough of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I thought that she was really great. I actually hated her at first, and then I grew to love her by the end. And I think that she just kind of has a really nice little character development arc. I thought I was gonna like Aerith more, but in the beginning, I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal with Aerith, and then she, came, she <laughs> then she grew. Then she grew on me by the end. <laughs> Moral of the story: You didn't like either of them. <laughs> I didn't. Listen, they're both trying to comfort Cloud, and I was just watching his back. Okay. <laughs> He's gonna be young. But boy, the fanfic that you can find online about those three. Woo! Oh Lord, oh, have mercy. Goodness. Oh boy, <laughs> it's uh, spicy shit. Uh, yeah, I also really like Jesse. I actually put Urbosa in here from Age of Calamity or Breath of the Wild, more likely, that people know her from. But because I'm playing Age of Calamity a lot right now, in Breath of the Wild, you didn't really get a good sense of who these champions were. And I think what's really great about Age of Calamity, it has far more story in it than Breath of the Wild did. So you're kind of like getting to know these champions and kind of see them. And I think Urbosa is just a strong, independent Garuda woman. And she won't take no shit. And she's great. And she can command lightning with her hands and snap. And it's just great. She's a, she's a really fun character. And I wish we would have seen more of her in Breath of the Wild. But she was up there as I think Jill in Resident Evil 3 was also pretty good. I think they did a really good job expanding her as well. Can't. I also think um, Dina from Tilu too. Oh yeah, is I like Dina. Like yeah, just a really, a very clearly good partner. Like somebody who would be a good partner to you and very um, like trusting, very loving, very like on board. Well, at least like to a to a normal degree of like <laughs> supporting you yeah. in, in your endeavors in life. Um, so I I loved Dina a lot too. Maurice from Patreon said, Aerith, her playful ribbing of Cloud was the perfect counter to his excessive brooding. She also has a nonchalance about pretty much all of the dangerous situations she's in that I enjoyed. And Michael Emerson said, Yuna from Ghost of Tsushima. Yuna is a good pick, too. I really did like Yuna a lot. She was probably one of the stronger characters in that game. Definitely. Her and Lady Masako. Yes. They were pretty much my two favorite characters in, the, in that entire game. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I still don't know a lot about who like who they are, like deeper backstory. I feel like with Lady Masako, at least we got like in got her side story. arc. I think yeah. we got a lot of detail, but I still felt like there was a lot left out of Yuna's story. And maybe they're mm-hmm. leaving that for exploration and development in a future game, hopefully. Because yes. that game did so well. We'll see more from, you know, those characters. But yeah, it's a good pick, Steimer. Next up, 
best husbando. Huh? Huh? This was huh? this was kind of tough for me. I like Whiskey Jack's pick pick of Biggs. He's such a <laughs> such a interesting character. Everyone's Wait, no, thirsty over is, Biggs. Where is Biggs? He's the the thinner dude with the red headband around him. Yes. Yeah. I think I really liked him. Yeah. Like not even low key. Pretty high key. No, he's pretty high. <laughs> I mean, he's he, yeah. No, here you go. Yes. Biggs. Yeah. Yes. I like him a he's lot. He's got he's got like the like the swoopy boy band hair with the red headband. He can get it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah. He definitely is uh is 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 super you know hard eyes worthy for sure. Mm-hmm. I also really like Zagreus from from Hades, who's the person you play as. Oh like, yeah, he's also really hot. I don't know think yeah. about him, but he is a nice character to look at as well. And <laughs> and he really likes dogs. He always pets Cer. Well, I'm technically petting Cerberus. <laughs> he's always very good with Cerberus. <laughs> he's really nice to most of the people around him, even when they're being complete dicks to him. His dad kills him over and over again. He still talks to his dad. So like. Well, you know, pretty good contender. I feel like though he would probably snap at some point. I would just maybe. Nah. You think he he's solid? Okay, (laughs) with all that baggage, he's solid. (laughs) Totally fine. What red flags could there possibly be? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. I'm sorry. His father is the god of death, (laughs) or the underworld, really. But that's a good point. I do think that Avor as a character could be obviously waifu or husbando. Oh yeah, yeah. Depending on how you chose to play Avor, and I think the reason I really like Avor as a character is that now that I'm, you know, pretty deep into the game, you get to see a little bit more of the loyalty that Eivor feels, the sense of decency, because Eivor as a character understands that while, you know, she grew up in this in this society of, like, this idea that you have to go out and fight and kill to get the things that you need to survive, like she's taking in all of what she's learning from the Saxons and saying, Hey, maybe I don't need to like chop somebody's head off every time. Maybe I can be, you know, calmer. (laughs) Whereas some of the other Vikings that she brings over from, from, uh, Norway are like, no, this is not who we are. We don't talk our problems out. Murder machines. (laughs) We ax our, we ax our way through problems. And she's like, but what if we didn't every time though? What if we just tried to talk it out first? (laughs) Like, and I like that. No. no. <laughs> give us death or give us death. It shows the willingness to have character growth is what I'm trying to say. That's a yes. good trait in a husband or a waifu. It's good. Yeah. I I would like to take this opportunity to nominate mm-hmm. the entire cast of the Yakuza franchise. Because I can't. Oh, oh, the entire cast? <laughs> okay, that's a stretch. The, all of the husbandos that appeared in Yakuza Like a Dragon. I don't know when my next opportunity will, t- will be that I can do this. Because my husbando Majimo was in there. Kiru was in there. Daigo was in there. Dante was, Dante was in there. But but if you're going to talk about... Like, so you a, don't care about Ichiban? No, I was going to just... Yeah, Ichiban. Oh, like, sorry. I was... Okay. No, you cut no, her off I'm before sorry, her sorry, husband sorry. No, it's okay. Complete. Listen, no, Simer's being the good friend and she's looking out for me. And I appreciate that, Simer. Thank you. But yeah, I mean, I think from a game this year, like particularly would be Ichiban because I think he is just such a little dork, but he has such a pure heart. And it's kind of that stereotypical JRPG protagonist that I think is kind of like being conveyed through him. Because after all, like that's his whole shtick, right? But I yes. think... Um, 
the world of the Yakuza games are always pretty like cutthroat, pretty fucked. And I think he's just kind of that shining light. He's a, he's a little bit like Kiryu and he's a little bit like Majima in some sense. But I think he's definitely his own character. And I think he proved that he can be a strong protagonist going forward in the Yakuza series. So I think he would be my husbando. Also, shout out to Jin Takai from Ghost. Is it Takai? Yes. It's he Takai, has a right? nice butt. Yeah. yeah. Takai, yeah. Takai, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All my Japanese has Go to those hot springs, buddy. We'll meet you there in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's just a little too brooding for me. Not my type, but. Yeah. yeah he has a nice ass, though. Um, <laughs> that's all you need in a husbando. That's well, really I mean, you if need. you're like a badass samurai, you're swinging heavy weapons around, you probably got some muscle mass. Mm. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, some, some men have a hard time growing a butt. That's true. It's true. It's okay, it's though. It's fine. Flat butts are still yeah. butts. All butts are good. It's true. Next up, all butts. We, all, all butts. we don't discriminate or uh, uh, butts around here. Okay, oh, no. we love butts, all shapes and sizes. We just appreciate a really good one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Best friendship. So, who had the best friendship in games in 2020? Oh boy, this one's kind of um, tricky. I really liked Ellie uh, and Jesse's relationship. Mm, yeah, I thought they were really cute. I, it was one of the moments, especially at the beginning of the game, where even though you technically didn't really know these characters very well. Um, their quips and the way they interacted with each other just made you already feel the years of friendship that they'd had. Um, and I, I laughed a lot during their interactions. So I, I just liked the way they seemed to have a really strong, teasy friendship. Yeah, and considering all the things they went through together, mm-hmm. all the things they share in common, they still were able to be mature adults about it and yeah. uh, push through, which I think is good. I was like, that's a friendship. That's, that's a, a real friendship. I think mine in this case would probably be Ichiban and Namba from Namba from Yakuza oh, Like a yeah. Dragon. They're fun. And I was actually texting you about this timer in the beginning when we were first playing it. I was like, they kind of remind me of me and you. I'm like the Ichiban, right? <laughs> Wait, which one's which? <laughs> yeah, I think okay, I'm yeah. the, obviously the Ichiban, right? I'm like, hey, everybody, life is good. Uh-huh, life is, everything is half full. And Namba's yes. more like, the bro, I appreciate your optimistic outlook, but that ain't real life. And so yes. I think they kind of balance each other out really well. And I thought they had a really, a lot of fun dialogue. And as things happen in that game and, you know, you see their friendship being tested, I won't go any deeper than that. And they come out. It, it's it's a good one. It's a good lesson in so friendship. we should um, cosplay them is what you're saying. Uh, yes. Oh, my God. I can get the Ichiban Fro. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> the perm. The perm, the perm gone wrong. The perm gone wrong. It'll be wonderful. I don't know if I – I don't know if I have a good pick for this because so, many, so much of what I played yeah. was – I have another one. Yeah, the solo solo stuff. Yeah, I go think for it. Kamala and all of the Avengers had such oh, a great friendship by the end of that one. campaign. I really loved when you were scrolling through. I, I saw it and I was like, Yeah, I was thinking about Kamala and Hulk because yeah. they have such an interesting di- dynamic in Avengers. Honestly, all of them. They, they were so. It was. Oh God, that was such a heartwarming campaign. <laughs> so cute. It was. Man, it well, was really just a story about friendship. So like, yeah, you got to kind of talk about. <laughs> that and, and you know nods off i know avengers didn't get a lot of praise or didn't get a lot of accolades kind of towards the end of the year and i'm not saying necessarily deserve them but i do think the campaign of that game is very much worth playing and especially if you are you know feeling down or whatever like, it's a really good pick-me-up it really is yeah. everyone's so optimistic and they're like we can do it it's nice yeah kate sabo said Jin and yuna from Ghost of Tsushima. Also a good choice. Very a good, good choice. choice. I thought there was some sexual tension there. Maybe that was just me. Yeah. I, there I definitely mean, was. I okay. was like, yeah. I was like, yes, will they, won't they? And then they didn't. And I was like, okay. 
I think it's because he's considered like nobility, right? And she's not. She's like a peasant and he knows that they would never be able to be together. Also, again, I feel like she's got this like shady past that she's like deliberately hiding. Part of me though was was relieved when they didn't give any give it any romance element because I was like, yes, men and women can just be friends and it's fine. Like you you can just be working towards a goal and like be chill. We're all just stuck it. at home, though, wanting some sexual tension. I know. In lives, I really, that's... it was, I think to your point, Brittany, that we, we were talking about offline before the podcast a little bit. It's like, I do feel like we were just missing a lot of romance from games this year. So maybe that's why we just desperately wanted this to happen. I when know. Really I, that's exactly to. it. It's like, we haven't had a good bang scene at all. What's happening here? We just need a little bit from someone. <laughs> yes. It's true. Um, next one is best musical moments. Oh, I mean, when I was thinking about that, I was like, at first I was struggling and then I went back through the list of games in 2020 and then I saw Final Fantasy and I was like, it has to be the Honey Honeybee in, 100%. Yeah, that was a popular choice too among our patrons. We have Whiskey Jack, Mitch Crass, and a whole bunch of others also said the Honey Bee in. It was just so iconic and I never saw the original. I did see all of the criticism of the original and how people were nervous about how Square was going to handle remaking that problematic scene and... From what I've seen from everybody, it was pretty universally accepted as being well done. And mm-hmm. I thought that they did an excellent job. And the the music was excellent. The dance number was great. It was like, just like such a fun right? time. Oh, I love that. Was that. Like, if you want a musical number, that's your jam. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was a really good moment. That's up there for me. But I think my number one has to be uh, when One Winged Angel started playing in a final fight against Sephiroth where you kind of hear like the opening strings. I think it's a violin. I don't really know what it is. But uh, again, like if you aren't familiar with that song or like what that song kind of symbolizes, it probably was just like, oh, this is an interesting track. But they took One Winged Angel and they turned it into like a 13 minute song. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. And it kicks ass. And it's so good that when I heard that, I was just like so hyped about it. So like for sure, that has to be mine. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh Uh-huh. I'm seeing. Okay, cool. But yeah, definitely One Winged Angel. They did a great job. With that, the next one is the best horsey or mount. I want to talk about one, but I there's a little bit of a spoiler as to why I would pick it out of all of the other horses that have happened or that have been in games this year. So are we chill with that? I okay. mean, yeah, yeah why okay. not? Yeah. It's so, our awards. We could do whatever we want. <laughs> um, so... I really, obviously, I loved the the horse that you have in in Ghost of Tsushima, who you get to name. So that's why I'm not saying the name because like could be one of three things. Um, it's true. I picked Kage Shadow. That's mm. what I picked too. I had nice. Sora yeah. Sky. Very pretty. nice. Um, but I think Shimmer from Tilu Two has to get <laughs> Horsey <laughs> of the Year Shimmer. because uh. Shimmer didn't get her fucking day in the sun. Like she just got arbitrarily offed and like. She didn't get a moment of sadness whatsoever because it immediately launches you into another thing where like your your attention is more focused on that thing. But like I was like, but Shimmer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she was such a good horse and she was doing so much for you. She hauled your ass all the way here to Seattle from Colorado. Like give her one tear for God's sakes. I was devastated when there was not a moment. I think we talked about that in our Tilu spoiler cast. I think we did too. Yeah. And how like we were all were like, what the hell? Where was yeah. the moment to pour one out for Shimmer? Just 
did that's her dirty. Why, oh, that's yeah. why it's to be Shimmer wins Horsey of the Year because she didn't get a like a poured out moment where like even though you know the horse and Ghost of Tsushima has some stuff like there's more appropriate moments for that and like but no poor Shimmer definitely yeah Shimmer or yeah uh, your horse from Tilu or not Tilu Ghost of Tsushima but other than that I don't think there are any other mounts um, we have to talk about Hati from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You get to ride a giant freaking wolf all over the world. Yeah, but the awoos, the, the incessant awoos. So, <laughs> fair. So, Steimer is pointing out, I actually ended up after 40 hours of play switching over to a cool horse mount because there's a bunch of really cool horses in the game and there's only one wolf because everywhere I would go, <laughs> I would get off my mount and like go to do something and then my wolf friend would be running around the background just howling. Ooh. <laughs> he would just Consta- all of the time. Constantly. I was like, listen, um, I need to tell you to pipe down. Is there a treat in my bag that I can throw at you to get you to stop? I'm trying to stealth this section and you're giving us away. The amount of times that I accidentally hit call mount when I was trying to pull up my fishing line and then I'd be in a really awkward space and then up would trot my little wolf friend being like, I'm here. I'm like, no, go away. <laughs> I'm like, no. Why? Well, you, the awoos have bothered Maverick. He, well, he's woken <laughs> up now. Oh, poor Mav. He's just trying to take his old man now. He's like, where's the dog? Where's the dog? I hear the awoos. Where's the dog? <laughs> it's okay, um, Maverick. Go back to sleep. <laughs> but I did want to get a call because it was a fun, it was a fun mount yeah, to have for sure. It was a fun mount. It was, yeah, when you brought him out, I was like, oh, that's cool to ride a giant wolf around. It's pretty neat. Yeah. It was, but yeah, rip shimmer. Rip. Because now it's time for an ad break. Oh, yes, it is. Hey, everybody. Andrea here to tell you that this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, and they make meals easy and stress-free by offering no-contact delivery to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. Plus, the recipes are super easy to follow with simple steps and pictures to help guide you along the way. Hey, if John and I can do this and not screw the food up, you can too. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so that you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes. And it's a great value. You'll save up to 40% when you use HelloFresh versus shopping at the grocery store. Not only are you not going to pick up unnecessary things you probably don't need while you're aisle browsing, but you're also going to get the right portion sizes, which is key. Plus, HelloFresh meals are delicious and nutritious when they deliver fresh, high-quality, pre-portioned ingredients so you can make meals that are super tasty. With over 90% of ingredients that are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness, HelloFresh offers more than 20 chef-crafted, delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut, try some new things, and make any night feel special. You've heard Britt and I talk about some of our favorite recipes, and I guarantee that you're going to find a recipe that you're going to love. They've got recipes for all kinds of eaters. That's right, they've got vegetarian options, they got options for kids and families, they even have low-calorie options if you're trying to cut your calories. Plus, what's really great about HelloFresh as a company is that they're committed to giving back. HelloFresh is committed to donating to those in need. And so far in 2020, they have donated 3.5 million meals 
you can help too with HelloFresh's Beyond the Box program, where you give nutritious meals to those experiencing food insecurity with just a couple of clicks in the app. And if you guys decide that HelloFresh needs to kind of move around with your lifestyle, no worries. You can change your delivery days or meal plan preferences or skip a week whenever you need to right from the app. Plus, you can always keep your fridge stocked if you decide, hey, I actually want more food, not less. You can add extra meals or additional proteins and quick meals like breakfast on the go or even give their quick 10-minute lunches a try. Did I mention that they also have desserts? You know me, I love my sweets. If you guys want to give a try for HelloFresh, we've got an amazing offer for What's Good Games listeners. You need to go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 80 and use the code What's Good 80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 80 to get $80 off, including free shipping. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by Logitech G's G733 headset. I talk all the time about how much I like Logitech products and how they've been a part of the What's Good Games production story since the very beginning. I've got my Logitech Brio right here, my Logitech G gaming mouse, I got my Logitech G915 keyboard, but the gaming headset is really an amazing product. The reason I don't have it with me right now is because it's hooked up to the PlayStation 5 as we speak. But I want to talk to you guys about some of the great features for the G733 Lightspeed Wireless Gaming Headset. It comes with 2.4 gigahertz wireless connectivity, front-facing dual-zone light sync RGB, blue voice mic technology, Pro-G audio drivers, and of course, multiple colorways to choose from, which I love. You're going to get total freedom with up to 20 meters of wireless range with that Lightspeed Wireless tech. Plus, you can keep playing with 29 plus hours of battery life, which is super important for those long gaming sessions and you can even play wirelessly with playstation 4 and playstation 5 with stereo sound and did i mention that you can customize your headset not only with that light sync rgb lighting but you can also customize with the colorways and the reversible suspension headband it's designed for the ultimate comfort during long play sessions and each g733 colorway has its own unique headband design but if you want to get extra you can buy all of the different colorways on the logitechg.com website. They even have soft dual layer foam memory that conforms to your head and contours around the jaw for a better seal, reduced stress points, and it delivers long lasting comfort. It truly is one of the most comfortable headsets I've ever worn. It can be a headset that has the highest end technology, the craziest surround sound, but if it's not comfortable to wear, you're not gonna wear it, right? That's what I love so much about the G733 and that suspension headband. It really does make long play sessions super doable. And of course, like I mentioned, it's available in multiple colorways, so you can really pick one that suits your personal style. And as I also mentioned, you can customize with those headbands and the cool mic covers. If you guys want to get your own G733 or check out any of the Logitech G products, go to logitechg.com and use code WHATSGOODGAMES, free ship 1225 for express shipping today. This is a limited time offer. So if you guys want to get your Logitech G products and you've been holding out, or maybe you got a gift card for Christmas, now is the time to go to logitechg.com and use our What's Good Games code, 
What's Good Games free ship 1225 for express shipping. And if you guys forgot that code because it's a little bit of a long one, just check the show notes for the link down below. This episode of What's Good Games is also brought to you by GameStop. GameStop is a great place to go for the holidays this year. And while you may have missed your Christmas Day cutoff, you probably got yourself some gift cards or you may have even got yourself a gift that you don't really want and you wanna exchange. Well, GameStop is here for you. They've got the hottest games and game systems for you this holiday 2020. Are you looking for a Nintendo Switch or a Nintendo Switch Lite? Well, I know that I've been spending a lot of time playing Animal Crossing on my Switch and maybe you have too. But if you haven't yet, now is your chance to grab a Nintendo Switch Lite at GameStop.com on the GameStop app or in GameStop stores. GameStop has all the hottest games this holiday season. Did you check out the Game Awards? There were some really awesome games that were featured there. Maybe you missed playing Ghost of Tsushima on PlayStation 4 or Game of the Year winner The Last of Us Part 2. Or perhaps you want to check out that brand new campaign in Gears 5, The Hive Buster. You can pick up your copy of Gears 5 at GameStop. They also have all of the best games for Nintendo and Nintendo Switch Lite, including my favorite game of the year, Animal Crossing New Horizons. If you're looking to finish your list, whether it's your personal gaming list, I know my backlog is pretty embarrassing. It's real long. Or if you're looking to finish some last minute gifts that maybe you didn't make in time for Christmas, then check out all of the accessories, collectibles, and all of the games you could possibly want to play this holiday season. I can't wait to spend my break just posted up on the couch, in my sweatpants, playing some Assassin's Creed Valhalla, some Animal Crossing, some Destiny 2. So many games to choose from in so little time. If you need to finish your list, you can do it at GameStop.com, on the GameStop app, or inside a GameStop store. Continue on with the awards with best costume. This is always a fun one. And I think it's so tough to choose this year because there's been some really epic ones, but my choice is a little unorthodox. I have decided oh. for best costume this year, I'm going with all of the creative QR codes I've found in Animal Crossing New Horizon. I have never enjoyed a game where you can wear items created by people in the community in such a way that has been so inspiring to me. And I've never been a UGC person when it comes to video game content. It's just not for me, but it's been really amazing seeing all the different outfits that people have created in Animal Crossing New Horizons and following the ACQR subreddit and looking at all the collections people make. Like there's creators in Animal Crossing that have whole collections that they release every season. They do holiday stuff. I just, I'm like so impressed by it. And I think it's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I think it's super cool. When I was trying to think of best costumes, I was actually like thinking about Animal Crossing. I'm like, they just have so much in that game that you can really make anything you want. And, or yeah, to your point, if they did, if they didn't make it, Someone on the internet probably made it and you can just download it. <laughs> mm, exactly. That's what I did when we did animal talking. I found that zombie dress that had like bones and blood all over it. And I was like, perfect. This is just mm -hmm. what I need. Yeah. yeah. Everything so, you could so possibly creative. want. 
Uh, let's see. We have some submissions from patrons. Jared Kalber said, Doom Eternal the Unicorn. We actually got a few for that. Don't know what Oh, that yeah. Is. That was a really hilarious I'll costume. I'll have to look at it. I don't think I've seen it. And Wet Dirt 28 said, The Spider-Verse suit from Miles Morales. That was also really good. I really liked the animation style for... Was it that suit? Or, there was two animated suits. One of them had... Um, a mod on it that like makes your walk look more like stuttering frames but on purpose like not oh purpose. yeah uh and that was really cool um but obviously i think the best spider-man suit is the bodega cat suit like it had you have the a cat in your backpack and he comes out and scratches people in the face like it's the greatest finisher so to me i'm like i i love a lot of the spider-man suits i think they did a really great job on that yet again um but if you're going to talk about spider-man it has to be bodega cat Bodega Cat. Yes. I didn't and really. Then, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Sorry. I thought you were. No, no. I was just going to say I didn't really fuck with any interesting costumes this year except for the one on oh. Animal Talking. So I got nothing. <laughs> um, the other costume I really liked was um, Avengers Hulk. I just really like. Oh, I really yeah. like Hulk in a pinstripe suit. Like I can't. <laughs> the The ridiculousness of the visual is what makes it for me because He's just so dapper. He like, is he's just so like I played Hulk a lot when I was playing multiplayer. And that is the Joe Fixit costume. Yeah, and it's just the way I can I can only imagine him in that suit and the lines that he says because it's just <laughs> so silly. That silly. is such a good costume. I remember I think it was was it E three or Pax Steimer? You and I were at the Avengers thing. Yeah, and yeah. We just immediately fell I think in love it was with Pax. It. Yeah, I can't. Well, I don't even know. It was Pax West. Yeah. Either way, I agree. That was a fun one as well. And there were some fun OG costumes in Yakuza Like a Dragon, but I didn't really play with them. Yeah, there much. were also some really beautiful costumes in um, in Ghost of Tsushima. Mm, mm. Yes, there were some of the suits and some of the dyes you could get were. I really liked oh, when you when you got the the black dye market dude. Oh uh, yeah, and then you could just turn everything like this really beautiful pitch black but with a really glossy finish. Oh, uh. it was so, so yeah. The pretty. Ronin line of outfits in that game were probably my favorite. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Good shit. Next up, ladies, we have the funniest moment. Did any moments make you tinkle your pants? Um, <laughs> a lot, actually. <laughs> Uh, there were some. There were some really good ones. Um, I've certainly had a lot of funny moments in Fall Guys, but that was more, you know, from what's that's like physical comedy. Yeah, so just like exactly, exactly. Yeah. But you had one in particular that we were talking about before the show started that happened in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Yes. So <laughs> this happened last night. I was not playing this game because I'm not playing Valhalla, but you are playing Valhalla. Yes. And I was watching you play and you came across this dude that's a side quest. And the way they animated this guy during this fight had me in tears. Let because me, Let me show you. If, let me yeah, show the folks at home. This is much more of a visual thing <laughs> you really need to see. So if you're, if you're listening to the show on a podcast service, I'm sorry, but you're going to need to go to YouTube.com oh slash what's good games um in order to really really get this um but <laughs> he just so he windmills his arms at you he like head he tries to headbutt you but he headbutts you with his whole body so he just dives at you like a dead fish and then it's just it's so funny it's the whole it was so good because so, it was a long fight of him just so to give a little bit more context for what 
um, Steinberg's talking about. In Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there are world events, mysteries that you find that where you can come across uh, random NPCs. And this guy that you come across is sitting outside of his house. He's wearing a monk outfit and he is talking about how he's given up everything. You can go in my house and smash all of my crates and loot all of my things. And it's very like on the nose because you do so much smashing of crates and stuff in, in Valhalla. And so I was like, okay. So I went in his house and I like smashed all the stuff and I looted everything. And he's out there saying, you could burn it to the ground. And I was like, okay. So I threw a torch on it um, and lit it up. And then he's like, oh, you could even take my livestock. And so I shot his cow. <laughs> and then I was like, okay, well, this feels like there's still more. And then I found a locked door and I was like, okay, clearly this guy has the key and I have to get it from him somehow. And so after I destroyed all of his stuff, he I, stands up. he stands up and then you can get the key that he was sitting on. And then you can open this door at the basement of his house and you go in there and there's just like all of these body parts and like bodies with like severed limbs. And it's like a, it looks like a horror, like torture it's chamber. It's like a saw chamber. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh God, this guy was up to some Shit. nefarious evil stuff and then you can open, you can loot a chest in there. And then as soon as you're done looting the chest, he comes around and finds you and he's like, actually, I've changed my mind. I'm still blood hungry and I want to kill you. And I was like, great, because I've been dying to actually murder you. So <laughs> yeah. let's let's fight. And then you fight this guy. The way he fights you is just so funny because he just pretend to be this like super pious monk and then he comes at you and he just he comes at you with all the prowess but just waves his wind literally windmilling like his a, arms at you like he's gonna teenager. slap you to death like this is what and, and then a child would fight the, you. this is the part like, that like that got me where he would just like like i think john called it like dead fish diving at you <laughs> where he would just like hunch his shoulders and then like dive at you head first and it was hilarious so much so that i i clipped it on on xbox where i was playing it just so i could post it online because it was just so funny and uh the name of the open world event it was called devout troll uh, and i was like that's that's yeah. appropriate it very was, appropriate it was very good <laughs> that's pretty funny super funny <sighs> I think my, I mean, there were a lot of funny moments in a lot of games, but the one I think I just got me the most for some reason was this side quest and Yakuza Like a Dragon that's called Preparing to Suck. And it is, involves a professor who wants to clean up the streets of, um, of Yokohama. But to do that, he wants to create like a four meter long Roomba for the streets. And so you have to give him a whole bunch of money and then he crafts this Roomba. And the whole time, the professor is calling Ichiban Lord Shrub because of his hair. So, like, that alone is just pretty funny. And this Roomba is just, like, going around, this giant-ass Roomba going down, like, all of these streets. And its name is Sojimaru, which means literally cleaning robot. And it can talk. It can make coffee. It can give massages. It can do all sorts of weird shit. It can read your fortune. And the fortune it read, it was like, today will be filled with bad luck. Your dog will bite you. Just, like, random-ass shit like that. But then the whole time, <laughs> like, just shit goes so wrong. Like, a cat gets sucked into it. A poor grandma gets sucked into it. And the way the whole thing is written and the music that's playing in the background is just absolutely hilarious and I'm really excited Simon for you to get to this mission I don't want to go into too many details because like I don't want to tell you all what happens because it is pretty fucking funny but that was the one that just got me it's just one of those things that you're like I don't know why this is getting me so hard but it is it definitely was that one 
Yeah, they've been a lot of really fun moments in Yakuza Like a Dragon so far. They've definitely got a lot of humor interjected in there. It's so silly. It's such a fucking silly game. I love it so much. I do love how in our patron responses, Agent 47 calls out uh, Journey to the Savage Planet. Um, He he writes that it's the funniest Metroid Prime-like game I've ever played. And there's a ton of comedy in that game. It was one of my favorite indies of the year. I... Also thought that game went really under the radar and was a great just kind of chill exploration adventure game that had a lot of humor baked in. Just like Immortals Phoenix Rising had a ton of great humor baked in as well. Um, And I just want to give you a shout out to Agent 47 because, yes, there's a lot of funny bits in that game for sure. Yeah. And Maurice has this one in here too, Final Fantasy VII Remake, when Cloud says, nailed it. I know. Thank you. Moving on. We don't have to give context to what that's about, but if you remember that line, it was pretty well said. Pretty funny. Well, I guess we are doing spoilers in this one, so let's do it. It's when Cloud is wearing his dress and he's getting ready to go to the Honeybee Inn. And I think it's Aerith is there and she's like, oh, like Cloud. And he's like, nailed it. I know. Thank you. Moving on. The way the uh, actor delivered that line was just really well done. (laughs) He's like, I got it. I got it. I understand. I look great. Next, ladies, we have best romance. Mm. Wow. This was the yeah. one. This is wow. the one category you feel is lacking this year. It is. It really is. I was thinking about all the characters I romanced, like actually romance, not just in my head. I.e., all the Yakuza husbandas. But the only one I did was Gray from Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town, which is that farming sim game that I love so so much. Mm-hmm. And even that was like the most shitty and botched romance in the entire world because you spend so much time getting these characters' heart levels to rise, and then he's like oh, shit, he's like, you proposed to, not proposed, but you confessed to him. He's like, oh, shit, well, let's go to your house. I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, let's go to my house. Oh, wow. And he says, I want to have a special relationship with you. And then he walks out the door. And that's it. What? That's the romance scene. What? Like, that's it. That's it, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's an E-rated game. I understand. But damn, couldn't you at least, like, fade to black or some shit? Can you not kiss in E-rated games? I don't know. The pixels aren't even crisp enough for you to see what's going on there yeah Just i don't mash know the two characters together and let them step away something it was yeah, born- that's true yeah can you imagine though like that is that would be a really confusing moment for me <laughs> right i was so confused if somebody came into my house and was like i want to have a special relationship with you i'd be like oh okay and then they turned around and left i would be like yeah. Did I mishear what you had to say? Yeah, so that was Is it. Is your idea of a special relationship one where you are very far away from me? Like, what can you define the special relationship? All of those hours giving more? him ores and eggs and everything else, all for that. Not worth it. So that was my only romance okay. scene I got this entire entire year. <laughs> I'm laughing now at Maverick, who brought his catnip toy into the studio and is now just rubbing his face on it. Best romance 2020, Mav and his catnip cigar. (laughs) He is so happy right now. Oh my God, he's being very cute. I mean, they're snuggling. Yeah. Like, this is some hardcore It's better than what happened with you and your guy. (laughs) Oh, I know that a lot of people are probably going to think uh dina and la for romance but i feel like that relationship is so problematic for a variety of ways uh with how ellie treats dina um, in certain parts of that game just dina dina again i going back to best waifu i think dina is a great partner yeah (laughs) absolutely ellie not so much yeah ellie's got some issues to work out there's a submission in here i'm trying to get the patron's name because i left it out unfortunately but i thought this was really good and this is going to go into spoiler territory but yuriko and jean's dad from ghost of tsushima 
Did you ladies explore that at all? I did, but a little bit, but like that was so light. It's such a it's such a small part of that narrative, though. Yeah, yeah. it was really sweet because obviously, like Yuriko, or yeah, I think that's her name. She and Jin's dad had a thing, but um, clearly, like he died and she just aged. But then, as she was beginning to die, she was slowly dying. And I believe it was from I don't know what we know it was, but her memory was going. So she was talking to Jin as if he was his dad. And yeah. the way he treated her and the way he responded to her was just so damn sweet that, you know, I think at the end she felt like she was she was having a reu- she was reuniting with Jin's dad. And it was just a really, really sweet moment that I think uh, even though we didn't get a lot of dialogue about it, it was still pretty impactful. And I'm trying to find the name of the person who submitted Again, this. that's like just indicative of, of the scraps we got this year for romance. Yeah, <laughs> it's just really sad. But yes, that was very sweet. Um, it was Jared also Sam said Subak. Cloud. Oh, sorry. It was just Sam. Sam Suvak recommended that one. Okay, cool. Yeah, Jared also mentioned Cloud and Tifa. Um, I also think that, I mean, they, him and or Aerith, like, right, like, to me, they're both still fairly light in that game. I yeah. don't know. I don't, I didn't really feel like it was super strong one way or another. No, no. I didn't either. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I think, again, it's kind of like, it's that, is there, is there not? It, you, it's hard to really tell. And depending on, like, what choices you make as Cloud, you get that scene with blah, 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 blah. There definitely is some, like, some, some going on there. But, like, is it's it going to be bit, fully but... fleshed out? We don't know yet. But, yeah. No. All right, next up, best DLC. Um, I would have to say Ghost of Tsushima Legends. That's a good one. Uh, because Excellent DLC. Number one, it's free. Who doesn't love free DLC? Mm-hmm. Number two, it was really fun to play with you. Like, uh, Andrew and I partied up and ran through that together, and it was great. Like, we had a really good time. It brought a new interesting element to the game, which is always a bonus for DLC. Um, and, you know, just added an extra le- level of value there. So I think that that, like, is... And I still haven't done for. the raid because I need to do more leveling in that game. Talk about a game that would be great to play over the holidays with friends. Mm, yeah. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima Legends. If you own a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5... You know, like Steimer said, it's a free update and Ghost of Tsushima is not to be missed. It's a must play game, I would say, for PS4. Um, game of the one of the games of the generation for me, for sure, in the top five. I just I they did such a great job with that DLC that I absolutely echo what Steimer said about for giving accolades to DLC. Definitely Ghost of Tsushima Legends. And then the bonus is that, you know, how we always misspoke. We like said the title wrong for a really long time. It was always Ghosts of Tsushima mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. In the update, you could actually say Ghosts of Tsushima because there's more than one of you. Ah, and then you shit. wouldn't be wrong. Wouldn't be wrong. Nice. I didn't play any DLC, I don't think, this year. I couldn't think of one. So I got nothing. So Ghosts of Tsushima Legends, it is. Next up. Wait, really? No DLC for you? I don't think so. I, I rarely go back for DLC unless it's like one of my franchise that I love so so much or it's a huge like story expansion it's just I, once yeah. I like I'm done with the game I just like have this little switch in my head that's just like oh right, you're done you're yeah done. yeah that's fair yeah and I guess technically Destiny 2 Beyond Light counts though I never really think of that as DLC so much more of like a full-fledged expansion it always feels like a much bigger part and like do you consider live service games to be DLC is that like no. the same in the same vein I don't I know I don't feel saying. like it is yeah. No, I don't. 
I just like he just like threw himself on the bed. Like, <laughs> Steimer is getting distracted by Maverick. Distracted I apologize. By Maverick. He's being very cute. <laughs> well, it's probably because he wants food, and we have him trapped in here, so Just the kittens can be in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> He's pouting. He has feelings. Yes. All right, ladies. Next, we got best photo mode. Oh my gosh! I mean, speak of the devil, goes to Sushima. Like also, like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'll get to in just a second, but like. The I took more screenshots of Ghosts of Tsushima than I have of any other game. And that's even knowing that that game isn't as pretty as many other games on PlayStation 4 were and on PlayStation 5, even though the update on PS5 is amazing. It's just the way that they incorporated the ability to really customize your photos in Ghost of Tsushima and really lean into that samurai vibe if you wanted to or bring in all of the particle effects, which so few photo modes do, which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And I just loved so many different environments of that game that made for just gorgeous screenshots. Yes. I never do photo mode, but in Ghost of Tsushima, I absolutely Absolutely did. I love changing the wind direction, turning on the filters, the time of day, the expression, especially when it had a sword out. Like, it was so beautiful. And that was the one where I did feel compelled to mess around with it, especially flipping off and on between Kurosawa mode and not, which is really great. See, I never played in Kurosawa mode. I did a little bit, and it was fun. It was a good time. But that game is just so gorgeous that I feel like I was just missing out on the beautiful colors and everything when I had it on. But the way it yeah. even alters the sound was really fun as well. It was a, it was a cool mode. But definitely didn't play more than like maybe five minutes at a time and then I would switch it off. Cool. I don't really I don't really mess around with photo. I know that like a lot of games have them and that they all I see all the screenshots other people take and post on Twitter <laughs> and they look really nice. Like there were a lot of really nice Spider-Man Spider-Man ones as well. Um mm-hmm. so I don't I don't I have no opinion here. That's fine. Andrew, you said Fall Hollow was really good too. Yeah, so what they started with Assassin's Creed Origins and then expanded in Odyssey continued in Valhalla when it comes to photo mode. And I just love that game. And that game, particularly on next-gen consoles, just is jaw-droppingly gorgeous. And I say this all the time. I talk about draw distance and skyboxes in games. And in open-world games, that kind of immersion really matters. And the art team... And the engineering team at Ubisoft who work on Assassin's Creed have always done a really great job when you're doing those synchronization points and you get to see so far in the distance. It's just so beautiful, particularly now when you go into flight mode with your bird with Sunin, being able to see so much of the world animated at such a distance is such a technological feat that I think often gets overlooked And I think that it's important to remember if you don't notice it, it means that it's immersive and well done. And it's when you notice it that it's game breaking. And I had some moments like that in Ghost of Tsushima where I would be standing on a cliff and the grass and the flowers right in front of me looked great. But then the water and the distance looked like trash. And I was like, this is like water from like a Halo remaster. What's happening over there? (laughs) And it was disappointing. But then there would be a moment where I'd be walking through a flower field and it would be breathtaking, right? And I think that I had a lot of those moments in Ghost of Tsushima, but I didn't in Valhalla. I felt like everywhere I looked in Valhalla, like every blade of grass looked amazing. And thus I've also found myself taking a lot of screenshots and I've had to restrain myself to not take spoiler screenshots because they have a feature in the game where you can look at other people's screenshots in the world. You can turn it off, of course, but people have been posting um, kind of spoilery screenshots, but I've just been posting 
photos of the big fish that I catch and the cats that I'm petting. <laughs> it's like Animal <laughs> Crossing. All yeah. your fish that yes. you catch. Pretty it really is. It's Animal Crossing Valhalla. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> oh my gosh, love it. The next category we have is best NPC. There were a lot. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah. There were. It was a hard. I think it was a hard. I said it was a hard. It was a hard choice. But the one I had to choose um, was Daffodil from Spirit Fair. So Daffodil is your little blue-eyed cat, and it's Stella's main pal. And everywhere you go, like your cat is just there, like either playing with a ball or it wants to cuddle with you or anything. In a game that's about grieving and loss and about moving on from your loved ones, I think it was really great to have little Daffodil there because she was just, I don't know if it's a he or she, but gender this cat is necessarily but either way like just having that little soft fur ball there with you at all times was really just kind of a a spirit lifter if you will and there is a I don't know if you ladies have seen the animated gif or whatever of daffodil and stella hugging but it's just like the absolutely cutest and warmest thing ever and it just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside so I would say Daffodil. And this could also be because I was playing this game around the time that I lost someone in my family. So I think it really resonated with me. It was like having a little comfort blankie with you the whole time. Having little. Aww. Yeah. She was really sweet. So shout out to Daffodil, the cat. That's really cute. Yeah. I don't think I'd have anything like new or exciting here. I'd probably pick Dina. That works. Because I, I still I love her. I think she was just a, such a great character. Um, I think she's probably like she's the best person in, in that world. <laughs> like, everyone else kind of sucks. <laughs> I thought Jesse was okay. And Jesse, no, I also, I mean, honestly, her and Jesse, I loved. Like, I thought they were such really like would be people I would want to be friends with. Those were people I really wanted to connect with. Um, had they been real, but yeah, like those were the two strongest standouts NPCs from the Tilo Two world to me. Gosh, it's so tough to pick because there's so many good ones. Um, I think about, you know, some of the characters in Ori that you run into in like the little hub area. And I also think about, you know, some of the people in my settlement in Valhalla. But I mean, best NPC? Mm, I feel like I want to pick someone from Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, like Morang, the cutie. Because there's so okay, many have, good ones. You have Raymond. I have Raymond, who is like so much fun. Cat. And he and I have become like BFF. He's been on my <laughs> island since he was my third villager or fourth villager to move in. Um, and he's stuck around. He's never once asked to leave, which I'm very grateful for because you're never leaving, Raymond. <laughs> no, Raymond, you live here forever. Um, so he's super fun. And like my villagers are great. And I, I also like the the rotating cast of NPCs that show up on the island. Like I love Celeste and how she's got these quirky little stories about um, astrological signs and, and artifacts. And I love Gullivar, <laughs> the dumb pirate version of Gulliver that shows up on your island and talks in pirate speak the whole time. <laughs> I think that there's so many charming NPCs in Animal Crossing, but Tom Nook, you're not on the list, all right? Poor Tom. Right. You don't make the list, Tom. I'm I also sorry. want to give a shout out to, I don't know if it's Andrea or Andrea, but from the Honey Bee Inn in Final Fantasy VII. Is it yes. Andrea or oh, Dan, yeah. perhaps? And he has this quote that I love and I have it pulled up. But it's true beauty is an expression of the heart. A thing without shame to which notions of gender don't apply. And I thought that was just a really beautiful line. It's as Cloud is in his dress and he's dancing on stage at the Honey Bee Inn. So shout out to that. And those squat contests, man. Oh, man. 
Those, yeah. Mm-hmm. That would be a good category we could incorporate. Would be like best mini game or something like that. It's like, you know, the squats are fun. Best squats. Best yeah. squats. Unless the game forces me to do a mini game, I don't do them. Oh. Yeah, I feel like I, I missed I missed recognizing Wall Market as a fantasy video game world to live in. Oh, yeah, that, that would be a good fun. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next category, best LFG game. I got nothing for this one. Looking for group. I mean, I have to give it. To, I mean, this could also kind of go to. I, I guess it'd be either like a Fall Guys because that went that was so fun this year. I just think Fall Guys really had a moment of. That's true. Like getting together. Like they took something that I typically find very stressful and unfun, which is Battle Royale. And they turned it into something silly and enjoyable and basically a little bit more mass market, even though Fortnite's audience is very, that's already very mass market, uh, but they just made it even more friendly to go and jump into. And I really, really enjoyed running around in there and just like kind of being an idiot. Cause you don't feel like the stakes are super high, but then if you actually get a crown, which I never have, but um, when you get a crown, like that moment, it's pretty damn good. Oh, yes. But I mean, for me, without question. Destiny. No. Oh. <gasps> no. Oh. The LFG game of 2020 was Among Us. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was that, the other one. I was because you say. have to have a group to play Among Us. And preferably, you want to ma- maximize the players. Because playing Among Us with like five or fewer people is really challenging. So you want a full crew of 10 if you can. And I had so many amazing sessions with such a diverse group of people throughout the gaming industry playing Among Us for charity streams, for streams just for fun, even playing games that we didn't stream, that we just popped onto Discord and played just for funsies with with friends. And that to me is like the de facto LFG game of this year because I know so many people that got into it because it was such an easy game to pick up. And you could play on your phone and they had cross-play between PC and mobile. And I really am looking forward to the way that they're going to expand that game in 2021 and hopefully bring it to console uh, to, to switch to PS4, PS5, Xbox One, and Series X. I hope that they're able to get those ports out. But, I mean, yeah. so no, much chaos. Had a, had, a, had a very shiny moment. and Well, it's still still very popular right now. But yeah. I mean, and that to me is like a, such a quintessential you want to play with a group and be in voice chat together. It's not just jumping not on. just multiplayer. Yeah, because I can do Destiny on my own if I want to. And obviously, I played a lot of Destiny with the What's Good Guardians this year, but I never like actively had to look for people to play with like I did with Among Us. So good yeah. point ladies all right we have three more categories left and just a heads up these next two are going to be chock full of spoilers uh, for tilu and ghost of tsushima so yeah now is your chance to pause all right so the next category we have is most emotionally devastating moments i think mine was definitely uh the very end of tilu to where you and you as Ellie are, are fighting abby mm. and you can tell like abby is not in it she like doesn't she's like i don't want to Please no. Can we just all go home from this horrible fucking day, this horrible fucking life? <laughs> came all the way here to uh, find me, and here you are. Right? Like, you came all the way here to find me. You cut me down because you apparently didn't want to kill me while I was strung up. Um, I'm leading you to where there's a boat, so, like, I'm kind of helping you. Like, here's the exit. We should leave. And now you're coming at me? Like, really, Ellie? Go to therapy. But it's just... <laughs> Yeah. Like that was, it was such a hard fight to go through and it was just like really tearing me up inside because uh, I just did not, 
agree with what she was doing and I didn't want to do it. But I also think that that was like just such a really powerful moment that I will remember forever. So yeah, yeah. that got me too in the middle of the fight when she gets that flashback to Joel on the porch playing his guitar. Right. And then at the very end, when she has that whole memory again, where she experiences it and you get to see it from like start to finish. I think that for me, not even Joel getting his head bashed in, like that sucked, but it didn't didn't wreck me. But like that ending scene really wrecked me when it was like, oh, at least he died knowing that she was going to try to forgive him. And it really, it really fucked with me. Um, We got more about Tilu from Brandon K. Gann. It says, when Ellie decides to go to Santa Barbara, when sitting on the tractor looking at the sunset in that moment, it hit me like the giraffes in Salt Lake City from from Tilu, the first one. I knew something bad was coming, but I could not have possibly predicted nor prepared for both before or after that trip to California. She had it. She finally had a great life with no one coming after her and she threw it all away. Yep. What about you, Andrea? Did Tilu get you? Tilo got me multiple times. I actually was pretty wrecked by the Joel scene. And I don't know if it's because I didn't see it coming or because they languished in it in a way that I found pretty egregious. Um, and then I just like, I forever hated Abby. Like I know people like see it from her perspective, but like I never got over it. I was like mad the whole time. And we talked about that in the spoiler cast. So I'm not yeah. going to rehash that here. Um, but I agree with Tracy H about Ghost of Tsushima and Mighty Ethan. I almost think the horse might have been a worse a worse moment for me and we talked about this in best yep. in best bound past horsey um naming your horse having that be your companion spending so much time in the open world and then having that horse Ugh. in its dying moments take you away from danger and then like slowly succumb no, and like fall to so, its knees so like rough. it fucking wrecked me yeah and then like having them have a burial site that became a fast travel point i was like fuck you guys i went I back and it was visited supposed it. To be a tribute but yeah, yeah i get it yeah. yeah no i mean i went back and visited too but at the same time i was like you didn't need to kill my fucking horse you asshole i was so mad at all of like <laughs> the fucking soldiers who shot at the horse yeah. i was like yeah. you don't need to shoot the horse why are you shooting the horse like yeah. horse is just doing its job Leave the horse alone. And then, yeah, like... Fucking war, man. That was that was really rough. That was so, so sad. I was just... Like, honestly, again, I'm... Sad things with people, yes. But, like, sad things with animals are just so much worse. The animal was just, like, trying to get you away. And, like... And, like, did his job well. Like, you did good, little boy. Uh, it was... Yeah, I think that was, yeah. was sad. And, like, the thing with Lord Shimura was, was tough, too, right? Like, making that decision was hard. And I think part of the reason it was tough is because that game didn't really set you up to think that you had a lot of choice in the narrative. There was only a couple of points where it did. It wasn't quite as egregious as like the ending choice in Gears 5 last year. (laughs) I don't think we've quite (laughs) talked about the setup that you're talking about here. I think you read it and then... Oh, yeah. So Tracy H. wrote in and said, choosing whether to give Lord Shimura an honorable death or to walk away. I chose an honorable death and cried through the end credits. It was devastating. I believe that's also the choice that I made. Yes, that's um, what I did as well. I let him live. And you let him live? <laughs> you were like, you don't get a samurai's death. I'm like, you said I have no honor. Then I'm not going to, you know, fuck you. You're going to stay alive. That's and true. You're gonna, so it makes yeah. me wonder what's going to be the canon choice if we get a sequel, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. Um, but yeah, that was really anyway. hard. I actually, I did sit there and I, I pondered it for a bit with the Lord Shamira choice um, just because I wasn't sure which way I wanted to go. And eventually I was like, look, he was kind of a dick and he like did some really stupid shit. But at the same time, this was essentially your dad. Um, and if this is really what he wants and thinks will 
give him a happy afterlife like i will concede sure yeah like yes you can you can deserve that i was hoping that maybe he would get past his old ass i mean grant i get it probably not stubborn set in their ways but if i let you live maybe you'll come around and realize that my way of doing things and justify the means i'm not i'm a ghost the other um thing i want to mention i'm not going to dive into this because i don't want to spoil it because even though this is all full of spoilers though but this game just came out in yakuza like a dragon there is a quest called forget me not and it's probably one of the most memorable and top side quests in all of the yakuza games and it's so damn emotional and it's so it's written so well that that one had me bawling my eyes out too which is like really rare in a yakuza game like you usually don't cry in those games but anyway I'll just leave it at that because I don't want to spoil it. All right. Mm-hmm. Continuing Next. with the sad times. Yeah, yeah. Most <laughs> agonizing choice. Oh, boy. I kind of feel like this leads into most emotionally devastating moment. Um, mm-hmm. Agonizing choice. <laughs> I yeah. like Jared's. Jared's from Patreon. Whether or not to uninstall The Last of Us 2 each time Ellie is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, besides the Ghost of Tsushima, there really were any games I feel like that had those crazy choices in them. So I kind of s- struggled with this one. But then I remembered of this one moment in Tilu 2, which isn't necessarily a choice. But it's when Ellie is interrogating Nora um, underground somewhere. And Nora's already dying from the spores and whatnot. And Ellie has that crowbar. And then you as the player need to hit the square button three times to essentially kill Nora. But that was really hard for me to do at that moment. And I remember, I hated it. Oh, yeah. So I remember like so sitting mad. there like watching Ellie and I'm like, you look really fucking angry. I'm like, maybe we don't do this. Yeah. I know you've killed so many people already, but for some reason it just feels a little different. And but yeah, you have to. And that was kind of a hard thing to do. Yeah. 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 That was another reason I was mad at that game. Um, again, <laughs> spoiler cast. If you missed our spoiler cast of Tilu 2, highly recommend you check that out. Um, but yeah, that, that was tough. I think like, you know, you're talking about the end choice of, uh, Ghost of Tsushima as a, as an agonizing choice, like what to do about that. There's a couple of choices that you make in Assassin's Creed Valhalla mm. because that game is still so new. I don't want to talk about, um, cause I know that there's people who are just getting to that over the holiday break. So I will hold, my thoughts on those. Um, but there's a couple of key choices that I had to like stop and pause and go, do I want to look up what this was going to happen? Yes, I definitely do. I definitely am going to look up. <laughs> what are the repercussions of this? Yeah, I make it, make a save point And then, okay, okay, okay. I got yes. it. Reminded me of mass effect choices and other Bioware games I've played where you like have to have a save point going into that because you're like, I'm going to definitely screw this up somehow. And I'm probably going to reload my save and play it out a different way. And it's so rare that you get games that really execute those narrative situations really well. And I think Valhalla has really stepped up their game in the Assassin's Creed RPG leanings than they have in previous games. And so I'm excited to talk about that in a future episode of WGG, but Uh, not today. Not today, friends. And this brings us to our last category. Games that surprised you or games you missed? I honestly, I know I talked about this earlier in the episode. 
I was so surprised by how good Journey to the Savage Planet was. Mm -hmm. So this game came out earlier in the year. It's from a studio called Typhoon Studios. And I just loved my time playing that game. Like I spent a lot of nights playing it and it's a relatively short experience. You can probably 100% that game in about 30-ish hours. And it's just really chill. I mean, there's like very minimal combat in the game. It's mostly just about exploring and going on this adventure, collecting all these samples because you're sent as like this little astronaut down to this foreign world to collect samples and get data. And it's just a really nice change of pace from games that just feel so insurmountable with things to do that I was like, this is nice that it feels still feels open world. But like it doesn't feel like I'm going to have to spend 200 hours in this open world to collect everything. Yeah. And That's why I like the size of Spider-Man. I didn't actually yeah. get a chance to play Journey to the Savage Planet yet. So uh, although now that you guys are talking about it, I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do that over winter break. Um, but, but they have DLC now. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, Spider-Man was, was one of those that felt that way to me. Uh, not a game that surprised me because I knew I would like it. The game that surprised me was Hades because it is a roguelike and I don't like those games. I don't like dying. I don't like dying being a mechanic that is forced upon me. Like, oh, just get good, whatever. I was like, no. But because they have added God mode, um, which basically gives you resistance each time you die and added resistance bonus, um, and that there's a story element to it. So the story kind of continues as you die. So like dying doesn't feel as bad in Hades. Um, So they basically took that formula. The gameplay is still incredible, but you don't have necessarily that awful feeling of losing a bunch of your accomplishments. Um, I think that that formula was really well done. So Hades really surprised me. I think I have to mention the Yakuza series, obviously. I mean, granted, it wasn't new in 2020, but it was a series. New to you. New to me, exactly. It was a series I had little to no experience in. And then all of a sudden, I'm like fucking obsessed. So definitely shout out to that series. But I think the game that really surprised me that I'm enjoying a lot more than I thought I would is Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity. I didn't expect a heck of a lot from this because I think the track record with the Hyrule Warrior game in the past just like it wasn't wasn't great and it was like buggy kind of a technical mess and while it still is a little very much so a technical mess in Age of Calamity you got like those like 30 frame per second drops even lower than that sometimes and everything's just like and it's all gross Uh, it's really fun and I'm now like I think 35 40 hours in and I'm playing with Jason and it is just kind of like a fun mindless grind But what's so rewarding about it is that you are learning this difference. I'm trying. I don't want to spoil anything. Anyway, like you're getting a different side of the Breath of the Wild characters because you're meeting the champions before the calamity happens. So this happens 100 years before Breath of the Wild. And there's so much fun story tidbits that are packed into this. And it really does give you a heads up as to what you might want to expect from Breath of the Wild, too that I'm worried that folks might just skip out on it just because of the Dynasty Warriors-esque gameplay. And I I totally understand. But if you're kind of like on the fence, I would say give it a shot. It's actually quite fun. And it doesn't require a lot of technical skill unless you want to bump up the difficulty. And there's a lot of mechanics at play. And uh, I'm really enjoying it. And I think like the average playtime, if you want to 100% everything, is like 60-something hours. And I think I'll do that because I really want the Ocarina of Time armor set. So that's what I'm probably going to grind for. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, there are some good ones here from patrons. The Mighty Ethan says, Astro's Playroom. I expected this game to be just a tech demo, but I legitimately loved it. It was just so joyful and wonderful and a great platformer too. I wish there was more of it. 
Amen to that. That game was a love letter to PlayStation fans with so many fun little Easter eggs and, you know, little things to find throughout that game. And it was so well done and showcased the technology and the DualSense controller right when PS5 launched as a free pack-in title for anybody who bought the console. Like, 100% agree with you, the mighty Ethan. Mm-hmm. I just want to clarify one thing, too, because I just I remembered I said 30 frames per second on Age of Calamity and it often dips below 20. So I just want to make sure like 30 isn't yeah. terrible, but it, like it gets, 30 is fairly standard sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30 yeah. is no, no, no. Sometimes it gets to like 10 that. to 15. So I just want to clarify that because I could yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, it's bad. It's bad, but it's fine. Anyway, moving on. Well, thanks for the clarification. I, you know, I can't have people call me fake gamer girl, Andrea. I can't have it. You know, it's just like I feel you. I, can't have it I feel you. Um, Elmo Shell writes in and also says Streets of Rage 4 it's so good also most was a surprising little indie title that I recommend people play um, oh mm. in most sorry a surprising little indie title if you want to feel sad no <laughs> Ooh, no, we have enough of that no, thank you no thanks but um, I appreciate that it's got um, some emotional narrative at work and then Sam Suvak writes and says dreams I feel like this game didn't get the credit it deserves for being as innovative and neat as it is and I think that that's true that it doesn't get as much credit because the tools are really cool but it had such a um a spread out launch from early access to beta to roll out that i think it's t sometimes tough to keep track of those live service games that are continually updated but i love the call out i think that there's some really exciting stuff happening in dreams but i still think the potential of dreams is still yet to come mm. game i missed out on is hades and i'm really sad about it because Samus talked about it, Jason loved it, and I feel like every—I mean, you saw what it was nominated for at the Game Awards, and I'm sad I missed, sad I missed Hades, and I feel like I never really got into Animal Crossing either. It's not too late, Brittany. Yeah, it's I got, not too late. I don't know that I'm going to go back to Animal Crossing. I'm glad I played it for the amount that I did, um, but yeah, like I was. The funnier part to me is the games that surprised you. The game that surprised me was Animal Crossing for you. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Like one hundred percent. Not a thing I was ever expecting. The fact that I still come over and you are still fucking playing that rolling game. her snowballs, yep. catching her snowflakes. <laughs> we'll like go. We'll go to sit on the couch to watch something, and she'll just bring her switch over. And I'm like looking over, and she's just running around in Animal Crossing doing something. And I'm like, gotta shake them trees. I didn't think you would even <laughs> want to play this game at all, and here you are still playing it. It's crazy. I know. I definitely it falls under the games that surprise you category for a multitude of reasons for me. I'll definitely have a lot more to say about Animal Crossing when we talk about our personal game of the year, which is the moment we've arrived at. We're at the end of the What's Good Game Awards. Steimer has a very big surprise face. That's because I'm like, <laughs> is it happening? Is this, is this what's going to... Is this... <laughs> I thought about this a lot. Now, before we talk about our personal game of the year, Brittany, you said that you pulled what they were from last year. Yeah, so they were from our yeah our 2019 Game Award conversations, and there we made our predictions as to what we think our game of the year would be for this year. Now that conversation is moving to our most anticipated for 2021, but just because we're all talking about it right now, so for my personal game of the year between. Andrea and Steimer, you guys predicted Dying Light 2 for me. Oh, oh man, that game. That game. Came out. <laughs> Andrea also predicted Halo Infinite for me. 
it oh, was also I, dude i know and then the it was bath. it was a fucking <laughs> no one bath. saw the pandemic coming okay Legit, no one saw the shit True. coming and then for me it was a toss-up personally between resident evil 3 cyberpunk tilo 2 final fantasy 7 remake and dying light 2 that's I, a lot of that's a lot of time it was a lot no I, I was watching it i was on the struggle bus also i think we were all pretty tipsy and <laughs> that sounds right. We were, a, <laughs> we, we were a little slurry, but I predicted that my personal game of the year would have been Resident Evil 3. That's not the case. It is Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is absolutely something I would never have predicted in a million years because I hadn't been really introduced to the Yakuza series at that point. So my game of the year personally for 2020 is Yakuza Like a Dragon, not Resident Evil 3 like I thought it would be. You want to talk about why you picked Yakuza? I mean, I've talked about it so many times, but I will continue to That's do That's true. So. You have. Yeah. I mean, you have like I, a parting thought about a it? A parting thought, yes. I'm, I'm excited that the RGG studio took Yakuza and turned it into something a little different. Um, it's now obviously a turn-based RPG, which is like wildly unexpected, but it works. And I think this is good for the studio. And I think it's good for the series moving forward so they can continue to innovate and introduce new characters and new settings. And I think Ichiban is a strong protagonist. And I think the series for Yakuza looks bright. Now we just need some of those Japanese games imported over here and localized. And then we'll be good. Some of those exclusive games that we don't have over here. That's what I want. But that's all I have for me. Let's move on to Andrea. So. Andrea, what you picking? Hold on. I want to hear. Oh, yeah. What was the prediction? prediction? Right, right, right. So Steimer's prediction for Andrea was, quote, whatever iteration of Destiny happens. (laughs) (laughs) But Andrea wasn't having it. She was like, no, that doesn't count. You can't use that. So Andrea said her pick of the year would probably be Assassin's Creed Ragnarok from a personal perspective. And from a critical perspective, she picked Cyberpunk. Interesting. Um, It's tough because I haven't had enough time with Valhalla, but like it absolutely would be up there because I am really loving this game and really impressed with everything Ubisoft has packed into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And so much so in a way that at first I was a little hesitant and didn't really like what they were doing with stealth. But the more I play the more like it just feels like such a well-rounded, well-made action adventure that just is not getting enough credit right now like because everything is being overshadowed as always by Naughty Dog <laughs> and The Last of Us Part Two. Um, and I had, like everybody, had high hopes for Cyberpunk, but clearly they delayed and delayed the game, which was necessary, but obviously should have delayed it again. It and it's in no state more. to be judged on anything right now. So um, interesting. But yeah, my personal pick, and this was tough because... I absolutely adored my time with Final Fantasy VII Remake. I voted for Final Fantasy VII Remake as Game of the Year when we did our submissions for the Game Awards as jury members because I thought that they did an excellent job with the combat offering a mix of the old school Final Fantasy combat with a really overhauled, new, more modern action-focused combat system, which was excellently done. I loved being able to transition between different team members and getting to learn their different fighting styles and the really unique different sections of Midgar and all of the characters. That game was just a phenomenal game. But the game that I undoubtedly spent more time with than literally any other game in 2020 was Animal Crossing New Horizons. And so it has to be my personal game of the year because it's what I needed this year in 2020. And I think it's what a lot of people needed this year. There's a GIF I like to use on Twitter 
of a villager using the vault pole to go over a river and they're going from depression and anxiety and vaulting over to video games and it's an Animal Crossing gif and it feels so indicative of how this year has gone. <laughs> and it was just what I needed to take my mind away from literally all of the stresses that we all went through and it just scratched this itch of routine and creativity and having those gameplay loops that just felt so satisfying in a way that so few games really nail that I just love it. And we talked about this with um, Callie Plaguey back at our game of the year so far conversation in the middle of the summer that we always do. And she talked about how it's so approachable from the standpoint of an in-game economy where you can be self-sufficient. You can chop your own trees and make your own tools in the beginning and earn your own money. And then the game slowly builds on those systems to allow you to get bigger and bigger. And Tim Schafer, when we talked to him on Animal Talking, Gary show, when we all appeared on that together, mentioned how it helps him slow down and remember that you don't get to have everything you want the moment that you want it. And Animal Crossing teaches you that in a very <laughs> real way. Patience. Where you're like, I want all the DIY recipes and I want them now. <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, you just got to wait. You don't get everything you want the moment that you want it. And it was such a great life lesson in and of itself to be like, it's okay to slow down and go, you'll get the things you want in time. And it's okay that you can space out wanting those things. I think we are just in such a culture of instant gratification in so many parts of our life, really brought on by social media that like we kind of have trained ourselves to be like, I want the thing I want and I want it now. And I'm willing to pay whatever cost I can we to get all, the thing. Is it Veruca? Yes. Ruka Salt. <laughs> yeah. Don't oh, yeah. care how I, I want, want it now. now. It's like, yeah, it's like yeah. we've all turned into that. Yes, exactly. We all belong in the bad bin. <laughs> exactly. And all of these food delivery apps are the worst, too, because you're like, I will pay $50 to have a single ice cream cone from McDonald's to be delivered to me. I don't care what the delivery fees are. And I feel mm, like ice cream. I know, right? Mm. Ice cream. Um, mm. And so. Animal Crossing was what I needed in 2020 and helped me connect with other gamers in 2020 in a way that no other game did. And that's why it's my personal game of the year. So when we come to Simer, again, we are all tipsy. And baby girl, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. you kind of got screwed over at this part of it. <laughs> oh, uh, no. <laughs> Andrew and I didn't make any predictions for you, but you made predictions oh. for yourself. Uh, you said, <laughs> okay. That sounds I'm right. I'm a self-sufficient woman. <laughs> You said it'd either be Tilu 2 or Cyberpunk, or maybe Dying Light. But your concern with Cyberpunk is that there might be too much stuff to do, and it would turn you off. So those are your three. You know, I was I was accurate on the Tilu 2, because Tilu 2, I think I, I even said this back when I was reviewing it, but it would have been almost nearly impossible for anything to, to surmount with that game, the impression that that game left on me. Um, Again, I just felt like I had such an interesting, unique experience with that game. It, I got to experience it before anybody else. I was alone with it. I had, I was alone with my thoughts. You had no spoilers <laughs> like was, beforehand either, right? No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers because okay. I really had stopped paying attention to a lot of the marketing after a couple of trailers because I was just like, you know what? I already know that I'm going to play this game, so why do I don't need you to tell me about it? <laughs> just relax, um, and. So just like 
being really introspective with it was really fun for me. It's not something that I really do with video games, especially anymore, but sitting there and really getting to journal through my feelings, journal through the story and the lessons that I felt Naughty Dog were really trying to convey. Um, all of that was, and then some of the things that I just extrapolated that were complete bullshit, but <laughs> they, that's what's fun though. Like that's the, fun. To like do the that. moth and the thing and the light yeah. and light. And then Neil's like, yeah, no, we actually didn't think that hard about it. I, I mean, like, you kept a journal. Okay. Well, um, I like metaphors, so I'm going to find them where I can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, um, I just like, I know that it's not a, a quote unquote fun game, but I do think it was a really important game. And I think that it was just, again, something that I will think about on and off for like the rest of my life. I will always go back and think it was a game. And I think I'll especially think about it when I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm in the right, because I think that's really what the game is trying to force you to think about is whether or not you actually are like really consider the situation and look at it from another's point of view. And you might see that you are not always the hero of your own story. Mm. That's, that was a very ugly noise, and I apologize. That was disgusting. <laughs> I don't know what that was. We're used to the brick grunts over here. No, I mean, like, I literally don't know if there's ever been a game Steimer's talked about that, that's just been so fucking great than The Last of Us. Just the way she talks about it and the way she explains how she's feeling about it. It's just like, and I know I'm not alone in this. If you read all the comments every time she talks about it, people are like, oh my God, Simon, keep talking about Tilo True. You're really, <laughs> you're really good at it, baby girl, is what I'm saying. Oh, thanks. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. She's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I was the only one that was correct. It's because I guessed it for myself. You did. And Cyberpunk's not, I don't, well, Cyberpunk's for another day. Yeah. <laughs> for another day. Discussion. Yes. Yes, 100%. And if you had asked me at this time last year if an Animal Crossing game would be my personal game of the year, I would have told you that you're out of your goddamn mind. Yes. Oh, yeah. This so year, like, man, whole bunch of weird 2020 twists and turns. flipped everything on its head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, show. Um, but this has been a really fun walk down memory lane for games in 2020, despite the fact that the pandemic caused chaos for all of us. We still got some phenomenal video games. So thank you to all of the development teams, the publishers, the marketing people, the PR people who made video games happen in 2020. A lot of times they get no praise and no accolades for making sure that we get to play these experiences and have those shared moments with friends and family. And so I just want to give a call out to those teams. And if you feel compelled, I'm sure those teams would love a word, a kind word, um, this holiday season, if you had a game that you thought really impacted you this year, I think it would probably warm their heart if you wanted to tweet about it or to reach out to their team via email or Facebook, wherever their teams exist, forums, etc. So thank you everybody also for supporting What's Good Games this year. It's been a tough year for us, but being on Twitch as much as we were this year was really fun, getting to know so many of you and people who rallied around us on Patreon, it's just really wonderful to be part of this community this year. So thank you to everybody who participated in Discord and the Facebook fan page. Wherever you participated with what we do, we love and appreciate all of you for being part of this show. So thank you. And we hope that you have a wonderful rest of your holiday. We will be back on New Year's Day with our most anticipated 2021 conversation, which is always a fun one. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next time.